Hello and welcome to Inside the Yale Admissions Office. My name is Mark and I'm a Yale Admissions Officer. And I'm Hannah. I'm also a Yale Admissions Officer. Hey Hannah, where are we right now? We are actually inside the Yale Admissions Office on beautiful historic Hillhouse Avenue in New Haven, Connecticut. That's where we are, quite literally. Uh, specifically, we are in Reed's office up on the third floor. He's been generous enough to uh, let us barge in here and record this podcast. Thanks, Reed. And Hannah, why are we recording a podcast in Reed's office? Yeah, so what we wanted to do with this podcast is really just make the admissions process a little bit more transparent. Uh, I think that people tend to think that our our work is mysterious, um, and it's really not. We're happy to kind of open the door a little bit and let you know what really happens inside our office. Uh, and we always tell our applicants that in their essays, they should try to show, not tell. Um, so we're going to try and take that good advice and show you uh, what goes on in our office through this podcast. Yeah, I have found over the years that people sometimes imagine that we have some sort of vested interest in keeping things secret, that there's some sort of insider knowledge that we don't want you to know. And, you know, even worse, I think there are, I know there are people out there who sort of try to sell, you know, their services with the idea that they've got this uh, insider knowledge. And I'll just say right off the bat, I think that's a total baloney sandwich. Complete nonsense. <laughs> to put it in, you know, <laughs> G-rating terms. Um, you know, we want to tell you all what we do and show it. Yeah, so we're offering you a free public service. Hopefully it's helpful if you are a student thinking about applying to college, if you are the parent of a college applicant, a school counselor, a teacher, if you're just a curious member of the public who wants to know more about selective college admissions at a place like Yale, uh, this is the podcast for you. Yeah, and look, we know that there's a lot of anxiety about the college admissions process out there. Um, we are very sensitive to that. Um, this is a world that we are in every single day. But in my experience, a lot of the anxiety revolves around sort of an image of the process that is just not true. It's not how things actually work. So mm. we hope that by sort of showing the process and explaining it, showing how it really works, um, that that might make people a little bit more comfortable with it and have a more positive experience as they're going through it. Also, our work is just really interesting and fun. Uh, Hannah and I love our jobs. I think most of our colleagues do, too. I think it's a good sign that we like our jobs, that we're going to make a podcast all about it. Yeah. And just to be clear, no one asked us to do this. We're not getting paid <laughs> extra for this or anything. We actually had to pitch it to quite a few people and say, hey, let us do this podcast. Some skeptical people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll show them. Um, so, uh, you know, we're going to uh, walk you through sort of how we review applications, the admissions committee process, um, how we take the 36,000 applications that we get every year and get it down to the uh, roughly 2,200 that we offer admissions um, admission to Yale to. Uh, we'll, we also do a lot of other stuff too in this office. We'll talk about our outreach travel. We travel all over the world, um, events that we host, working with partners around the university. Yeah, we've got a lot to talk about. I think we'll have multiple seasons of our podcast. Um, we should go ahead and say though what we're not going to do on the podcast yes. in, in episode one. So first and foremost, um, we are not going to be talking about individual applicants, right? You won't hear us say, oh, I love this 
this thing that this young woman did in her essay, or I was so impressed with, you know, this activity. Um, that would be tacky. It would almost definitely be illegal, uh, right. you know, as well. So we're going to respect um, applicants' privacy. Um, it's also not going to be a podcast that's all about how to get into Yale, right? Um, that's not the goal of this. A theme that you'll hear throughout the podcast is that, you know, we are interested in admitting students. We're interested in admitting real people. It's not about just sort of playing the game with an application. So that's not what this will all be about. Um, with that, you know, it's not going to be a bunch of application advice. We put a lot of that on our website. I think it's pretty good. I run our website, so go check it out, admissions.el.edu. But this would be a really dull podcast if it were just Hannah and Mark, uh, you know, hashing through the website. Right. We will not do that to you. So for today's episode, we're going to um, talk about reading. That is what we are spending most of our time doing right now. It's a huge part of our job. And in particular, this time of year, it's what we're doing when we're not recording podcasts. So reading applications is a lot of work, uh, but we take it one application at a time. There's a lot of things we could cover with reading. Um, to make this sort of bite-sized today, we'll, we'll go cover some of the basics. Um, I think we'll have lots of opportunities in later episodes to get into specific parts of the application and things that tend to stand out for us, things that tend to not work. But today we're going to cover things like how do we divvy up files? What actually happens when you click submit on your application? application. Um, how do we read those applications front to back? And what are we thinking about when we are reading a file and making our notes on it? Yeah. So sort of the most basic thing uh, to understand is that in our office, we read files based on geography. So we have about 25 full-time admissions officers here at Yale, and we are each responsible for a region. Um, so we, we split up the entire U.S. and the rest of the world by region. My region is uh, parts of Europe, New Zealand and Brooklyn, New York. That's um, a little scattered. Some people have sort of more cohesive regions. Uh, but what that means is that I'm responsible for the applications that come from those places. I'm the first person to read those applications, and I'm the person who will sort of shepherd them through the uh, admissions committee process. Yeah, I really like the way that we do things here. Um, some schools do it this way. Others have a more deliberately random pr approach. What I like about it is that it gives us some area expertise. Um, my area, for example, is a lot of the southeastern United States. Um, I grew up in Georgia, so it's really fun for me to sort of go back down south and represent Yale there when I'm doing outreach travel. And then it's fun for me to sort of be the representative of the south here at Yale um, as well. It also means that I have a sort of office full of experts on different parts of the country and different parts of the world. Mm -hmm. You know, if I'm getting an application, let's say from a student who's graduating from high school in Alabama, but spent the first three years in Auckland, um, I would say, Hannah, I've got this student, uh, you know, who's talking about the, the all greenbacks Kiwi <laughs> rugby team. Uh, what is that? Can you do the second read on this file? So it's a great resource for us. And um, what we're going to uh, do next is talk to a special guest, our colleague Julian. Julian is another admissions officer and a good good friend of us. So uh, he's generously agreed to be our first ever podcast guest. So honored. Thanks, Julian. Um, so let's dive right in. We want you to help us explain a little bit about how we read applications. Um, so I thought the first thing it might be helpful to go over is. You're an admissions officer. You open mm -hmm. an application. What is the order in which you read the information? Sure. So I don't think reading applications is as impersonal as people like to talk about. I find that the order in which I read an application is kind of like introducing myself to someone in person. So I want to know 
where you're from, your hometown, a little bit about your background, so where you're going to high school. And that's really where I start. I want to make sure that students have the right preparation to do the work here and to succeed. So I will first dig into the transcript, check out the student's performance thus far. And if I am unfamiliar with the school, I will make sure to educate myself on that school's profile to make sure I have a good understanding of what's going on in that community. Then I'll dig into even more personal stuff deeper in the application, like the essays and how they spend their time. So when you said before that you introduce yourself to an application, to a, 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 an applicant with sort of their part of the file, mm-hmm. um, that's super important for you because you read for so many different parts of the world. Mm-hmm. So um, one of the first things that we see when we open up an application is kind of some basic demographic information, like right. where the student grew up, what their parents do. This helps us get some context about where it is that a student is coming from, how they were raised, that sort of thing. Right. One piece is certainly their birthday, and I'll think to myself, ooh, this student is an Aries. And then I remind myself that I'm an admissions (laughs) officer, and I should be thinking about their academic preparation and not just uh, their astrological signs. Yeah, just for the record, let's let's clarify. uh, Your your sign is not a a factor in the admissions process. It's true. It's true. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the other parts of the application. Um, you know, sort of once you've gotten to know a student from um, what they're providing in their part of the application, um, how does your picture of a student sort of develop once you start to read um, from other sources, you know, from the teachers and the and the counselors who are also writing on behalf of the student? How does that change, you know, or confirm sort of the picture that you've started to get in your mind? Yeah, I think the person behind the application starts to become a little bit more vivid, knowing not only are they receiving these types of grades and marks in their classes, but how are they going about getting those grades? What's their approach in the classroom? And the teacher recommendations are amazing in terms of understanding a student's intellectual flavor and how they go about digesting information. We see, and I see, so many idiosyncratic differences across different students, even within the same school and even within the same class, which is great because then it helps me imagine what kind of contributor they would be in classes both small and very large here at Yale. This is also a good place just to clarify that um, we read every single application that we get cover to cover. There's not, it's not the case that, you know, if there's something we see in an application, we stop reading it. So um, those, those teacher recommendations, counselor recommendations, the essay students write, they are being read in full by, by a member of our staff. But something I really liked about the way that we do our work here We expect students to talk about themselves and present themselves in so many different ways. And since we do have teachers' perspectives in the file and normally guidance counselors or another school official, we get to understand the student through so many different lenses. And that's why I think it's on us to make sure that we are doing right by each applicant by really taking the time to examine every single piece that's sent our way and not just picking out certain materials that are most important to us. Since I really do believe in the whole person evaluation process and Mm. understanding a student uh, through these 
really different materials. What do you tend to write in your work cards uh, while you are reading an application? What are you noting and, and why are you noting it? So, especially as the first reader of an application, it's my job to present somewhat of a roadmap of the application. So not only am I documenting the objective information in the application, but I'm also trying to provide a sense of the student's voice, how these pieces are coming together. So in real time, I'm hoping to analyze how gripping a student's essay was, or how teacher recommendations are in conversation with topics covered in the essay. So not only am I describing what I am seeing, I'm also trying to analyze how a person emerges as I look at all of these things put together. And then at the end of the day, I'm hoping to just give some, uh, some some pitch. You know, this is a student kind of as a as a really short quip, a, a pithy little remark at the end of my card that tries to synthesize the really dynamic person that we meet all throughout in a way that puts my analysis in conversation with the admissions officer who may be reading the same application behind me. All right, so you've probably noticed that we haven't talked much about scoring applications. We use write-ups in our work cards to keep track of what we're reading, um, and we use some ratings, but not really in the way that you would think. Yeah, I think most people imagine that the process is really quantitative and that there's a rubric that we're using and that as an applicant, you know, your goal is to sort of maximize your score on each of these different sections. And you sort of are thinking about, you know, dividing the application up into these different segments and sort of trying to score um, the most points in these different areas. And that's really not how it works. Um, so to talk about that, we actually are bringing onto the show um, a colleague of ours, John, and he is an expert on a very different kind of uh, scoring system than what we use. Um, so hi, John. Welcome to the podcast. Hi. Hey, John. We brought you here today to talk about gymnastics. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so folks probably don't know, John is uh, a big fan of gymnastics. Huge. You, I think better than anyone uh, in the office, could explain how gymnastics is scored. Yeah. So could you give a little quick explanation for how gymnastics is scored? Sure. Um, it's funny because people in their minds are still kind of thinking about the perfect 10 when it comes to gymnastics. And for NCAA gymnastics, that is still kind of the scoring that is used. Um, but in this current kind of Simone Biles greatest of all time era, there's a different scoring system that still utilizes a perfect 10, but also a different score called the difficulty score. Mm -hmm. So essentially, in the past, gymnasts weren't really rewarded for how difficult their skills were, just how well they did them. And now in this era of kind of triple twisting, double somersaults on the floor exercise, we need to reward that difficulty. So gymnasts now are awarded two scores. One's called the D score or difficulty score, which captures how difficult their routines are. And the other is called an E score or the execution score, which captures how well they do those skills, right? That's really helpful. Yeah. I learned a lot. I, yeah. I had no idea that's how it works. I know. And then you add them together and then you have kind of the overall score. So when you're reading applications, is there a D score and an E score or a Q score or Can a G score? Can you get a perfect score? 10 when you apply to Yale? Right. And I think the answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but people are always concerned with, 
you know, how am I maximizing my difficulty? Or um, given that difficulty, how am I doing it perfectly? Um, and if that was how we evaluated applicants, if that's how we came to understand the people behind the applications, then frankly, we wouldn't have a job. Right. You know, we just, we wouldn't do what we do. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, give me a sense of what you are noting when you're reading a file and, you know, when you're using ratings, what you're using them for, because they're not going to be added together, you know, at any point, it's not going to be spit into an algorithm and we're not going to rank candidates, you know, like we might rank, you know, gymnast floor exercises where Simone Biles is obviously going to be at the top because of her, you know, largest combined score. Right. So, um, you know, how are you using the ratings in your process? Yeah, I think the way that we, or a lot of us um, think about ratings are, are indicators to not only ourselves, but other people that are eventually involved in the admissions process for, for where strengths of the file lie. And so I think the main takeaway when I'm kind of rating parts of a file is that they will never be standing alone as a number or a digit in a vacuum. Mm -hmm. um, these are ratings that we use to help us better understand the way a file has been read, the way a file may be presented. Um, and none of those ratings are ever looked at independent of a full conversation with so many people in the room. And I think it's a good transition, actually, to our next topic, um, which is about sort of what happens to a file after you read it. Um, so let's say that you've read a file, you were excited about it, you've made all sorts of notes and ratings on it. Um, what happens next? Yeah, I think the interesting thing about our reading process is it's a process. Um, files are not just read once and then completely forgotten about. Um, files are read and then considered, right? Um, so many different things can really happen to a file, but I think one important piece um, that some applicants may not know is that when new information comes in, we consider it, right? Mm. Um, so once a file is read, sometimes additional pieces of information come in, um, and we note that and we update our comments as needed. Um, sometimes files continue to be read, right? Um, the most competitive files in our process um, get multiple opinions, sometimes two, three, four, you know, as many opinions as our admissions committee feels is needed to really fully understand candidacy. Um, and after a file has been read by a certain number of readers, then actually all of the files that our office receives goes through what's called a committee process, where the notes that have been taken, the ratings that have been given, are then considered and discussed by a room full of people, including admissions officers, um, deans at, at Yale College, faculty members, um, and most importantly, um, an entire stash of snacks from Costco. Most importantly. Most importantly. Absolutely. <laughs> but while we're here, let's talk a little bit about the sort of the reads that happen after the area officer reads a file. Sure. So in our office, we call this either outside reading or second reading a file. We kind of use those interchangeably. Um, and uh, most of the time, a file gets sort of... Uh, outside read or second read by a random other person in the office. Um, but we also have some sort of areas of expertise. So if John, as an area officer, is reading a file and um, he thinks to himself, oh, I really you know, want some other specific person in the office to read this because of their area of exp expertise, he can, he can send that along. Yeah. And we all do outside reading um, ourselves. I have to say, I really like doing outside reads. It's a nice break. I get to see a different part of the country, um, different types of students. Um, oftentimes they're involved in different activities. And, um, you know, if I'm suddenly reading someone from Southern California, they might be surfing. And like, that's not something that I'm used to seeing. So, you know, John, um, what do you like most about doing outside reads? Or, you know, how is the outside read different than an area read? 
Right. I think one of my favorite parts about um, outside reading actually gets to the core of why I really enjoy this work in general. Um, is, and it's the fact that we as admissions professionals are asked to um, think critically and intellectually about young people from all across the country and around the world. And as cheesy as it sounds, it's, it's really fun. Um, it's difficult work, right? Um, there's a lot of critical thinking that goes into reading of any kind, um, but especially when you're weighing in on a file that has already been read at least once, and especially for a file that is outside of your regional area of responsibility, um, there's a lot of critical thinking that goes in that I think keeps a lot of us engaged throughout the year. Yeah. And when we're outside reading, just like when we're area reading, um, we're taking notes, we're, we're writing up little work cards. And um, all of that is sort of to serve the purpose of directing the committee conversation, which is what is going to happen next. Yeah, really everything in the reading process is leading towards committee. Um, that's where the magic really happens. I think people tend to imagine that we as admissions officers are sort of these, you know, deciders that we're going through, you know, reading this and sort of saying like, yes, this is good or no, this is bad. Um, and really the reading process is just step one. Um, it's our job of really sort of preparing for a conversation that happens in that committee room. And I think that's also a difference that people um, don't always appreciate that, you know, that write-up that we're putting together, um, it's really designed to facilitate a conversation. And a lot of that critical thinking that you were talking about, um, it's really, I find at least, um, centered around this question of um, what do I want to talk about with my colleagues in the room? Yeah. And we all kind of, I think, approach our work with a sense of humility in that we may feel a certain way about a file, um, but our brilliant and thoughtful colleagues may feel differently. And that outside reading process really introduces multiple opinions to, to every file in a way that I think really is a wonderful kind of almost series of checks and balances, making sure that no one person is deciding the fate of a file all by him, her, or themselves. Exactly. And um, that is really why we do this whole committee process, which we are going to talk about in depth. Next episode, we will take you inside the committee room. Uh, you'll hear a little bit about what we talk about in the committee room, how we discuss applicants. So we're really looking forward to sharing a little bit of that next time on Inside the Yale Admissions Office. All right. We just made history. This was the very first podcast recorded inside the Yale Admissions Office. Some final thanks to our friend and colleague, Jill, who is both our sound engineer and a great admissions officer. Thanks, Jill. Imagine that. Uh, thanks to Reed for lending us his office. Thanks to former admissions officer, Andrew Brick Johnson, who composes our music. Check him out at andrewbrickjohnson.com. And finally, remember that the views expressed here are mine and Hannah's, and they do not necessarily represent the views of Yale University. Thanks for listening.